0: For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals
2: who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.
3: Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. Uh, On this uh, Thursday morning, we've got cricket to begin with uh, very shortly with Dean Wilson, the Daily Mirror cricket correspondent, coming in to uh, us. We'll be speaking to Dean Uh, We spoke to him about, what, three weeks ago, before the McCullum-Stokes era had started. Uh, What did he predict? Well, uh, I don't think anyone predicted this kind of instant success. Uh, We'll also hear uh, maybe an excerpt or two from Gary Stead, too, before uh, 9.30. Then we shall open up the lines, and you can have a a crack at whatever you like this morning. number of subjects, uh, but the cricket uh, is high on the agenda. The naming of the Kiwis, of course, is also there. And also, of course, we've got the Crusaders and Blues this weekend. So plenty to talk about there. And Michael Maguire, Kiwis head coach, of course, uh, will be with us after 10 o'clock this morning to discuss that squad that he has announced, James Regan and Sam Ackerman. Uh, will be there with some thoughts on that as well on the panel. Uh, And then after 11 o'clock, the great Carlos Spencer, of course, uh, All Blacks and Blues great. We'll talk to him about the the final coming up this weekend. Uh, But more specifically, he's back in New Zealand, ahead of Fight for Life. He's also been coaching... Um, some, some rugby in America so plenty to talk to uh, Carlos about we'll have a, a stump smithy to back to 50 bucks today from the TAB plus the sleep drops uh, and then of course we've got a pacing for uh, purpose horse to dish out today and a greyhound race uh, a greyhound racing dog as well uh, from Eddington tonight so we'll announce those throughout the show as well
1: Sport is our religion and here is Smithy's Sermon
3: well, since being crowned world test champions, we have somewhat sat back and basked in the glory of the mace. How is it then that the rungs have fallen off the ladder so quickly as we are equally quickly consigning that mantle to the scrap heap? It is as simple as—is uh, it as simple as saying that came has not been around often enough to steady the ship as was often the case? It's true. Without he Ross Taylor and B J Watling in the mix, that is a hefty truckload of crisis management not on the park an experienced committee to consider a situation and make the necessary adjustments. I mean, how do you blow a first-innings total of 553? That is a lot of money in the bank, and how do you lose so emphatically conceding the most unlikely run chase in the process? Bestow was brilliant. That can happen. Players sometimes just have that Roy of the Rovers day out. But where was the count of punch, sadly lacking? said it before, I'll say it again, the lack of a quality spin bowler experienced enough to take on on the game, take on the situation and take the pace out of the game to take up that challenge when the onslaught begins. We just haven't got one. The constant refusal to play one at home, develop his skills on all surfaces for all situations is and will continue to be a major part of the problem. It will more often than not bite us on the cricketing jacksy. And when you pick a team for five days, You pick it, and the knowledge the last day will often be critical. The pitch will be drier, more variable. And if you want to have an all-out short-pitched attack at the opposition, at least, at least have your best exponent available to you. Cover all the contingencies. There is no excuse not to. There you go, an all-out winge and scarcely mentioning a name. I'm sure you get the gist. Lost four of our last six tests now. Thank God we're not playing the Aussies anytime soon. What a mess that would be. The coach says the players need time away from the game to clear their heads. Interesting, the selectors going forward need to start using theirs. 906 here on SENZ uh, here in New Zealand uh, on the other side of the world waiting for us uh, is uh, Dean Wilson of course. Uh, he's a very, very experienced uh, cricket writer for the Daily Mirror. Watched a lot of test cricket. Uh, every now and then you just go to the ground and you think, boy I haven't seen that before. Uh, and you get amazed by Test Cricket. And that, I, I imagine, was the case at Trent Bridge the other day for a lot of journalists who have been for, around for a long time. Dean, uh, good morning to you, New Zealand time. Good evening, uh, England time. It's been quite the two weeks for Mr McCullum and Mr Stokes, hasn't
4: it? <laughs> it's been utterly extraordinary, yeah. Morning stroke evening, Smithy. Uh, yeah, couldn't have predicted uh, what we've seen. Certainly what happened at Trent Bridge, as you say. I've seen a lot of, a lot of cricket and... Every now and again, you still see something that just takes your breath away, and, uh, and that was one of those uh, occasions.
3: What has happened here? I mean, uh, you just can't get that much confidence. You can't turn a group around as much uh, as they have, can you? I mean, it just doesn't seem that possible, but how much have New Zealand contributed to England's turnaround in, in your opinion?
4: Well, it's been a bit of a perfect storm, actually, uh, for New Zealand, because I, I do think that the players that we're seeing performing are, you know, are largely the same players that England have had over recent times. There's only one or two kind of new faces in there. But, you know, Stokes and, and, and Root and Bairstow, you know, these are experienced international performers, even Ollie Pope who scored 100 at Trent Bridges, played 25 Test matches. So um, th- th- these guys are not uh, t- totally new. They've, they've, had, they've had the ability. But what has happened is, is that they've come uh, under this banner with, with um, McCullum and Stokes together, just giving them absolute freedom to go out and, and express themselves, really treating Test cricket almost like one-day cricket in, in, the, in terms of the mentality that they're bringing uh, to the game. And then you know, New Zealand, on the other hand, uh, have provided kind of the perfect uh, opposition because I do feel that they're on a maybe you know last year was the peak and they're just kind of on a bit of a, a downslope themselves. They've got a number of issues with obviously losing Kane Williamson um, f- first thing before the uh, before the second test. You know, wasn't great. Um, you know, ironically, that the the, per- the person who's I think been the kind of standout performer, in fact, two standout performers: Daryl Mitchell, who wasn't supposed to even be in the team if it wasn't for COVID, and then Trent Bolt, who's you know hot-footed it straight over from the IPL and really should be you know running up against a brick wall, has um, mm. been the one with full of energy and and, and full of uh, full of uh, ingenuity. So, look, I, I, it's been an incredible couple of weeks. Um, the, the first test at Lords actually was just a a good test, albeit a low-scoring one. But what we saw at Trent Bridge was, you know, kind of out of this world, really, with the number of runs, the number of boundaries, and then, yeah, that kind of white ball-esque innings from Berstow was, um, <laughs> as I say, that's how, they're, that's how they're approaching Test cricket now.
3: Well, Dean, I put it to you that uh, six months ago, uh, England would not have taken up the gauntlet of 299 um, in the last afternoon of a Test match, particularly with a 1-0 lead.
4: <laughs> well, well, we know they wouldn't have taken out because they were offered something even even more generous yeah. by Kane last year, and, uh, and and flatly refused. And and look, that is a you know when we talk you know when we talk about the game, obviously the skills that players have you know that there, there probably isn't a huge amount of difference between a lot of these elite players. So much of it is about what goes on between the years. You know that that final kind of um, grey material that that. It changes both your your outlook and what you're prepared to do and what you're not prepared to do. And the fact is that under Joe Root, England were a very um, safe, conservative, uh, cautious team um, and, you know, would not have given that, you know, it wouldn't have even have looked at a chase like that. Under Stokes, it has completely gone the other way. I thought it was really interesting after the game, we spoke to um, Johnny Burstow and Ben Stokes by the way, we haven't spoken to Baz yet, uh, more on that soon. Um, but we spoke to uh, to Stokes and Besto and they just laid it out flat. They had no interest in the draw. It was either a win or a loss. The draw just didn't even uh, come into their equation. And I thought that, that to me, that was a real mindset shift. You know, sometimes teams will think about, you know, not losing first and then going for the win. Or they might think about the win, but then make sure we don't lose none of that at all from this lot it's just win or lose we're just going all guns blazing and, and that is a yeah that is a new way of, of looking at it
3: and during uh, that interview uh, ben stokes saying that the highlight of his career to date now uh, this is a bloke who's uh, done some amazing things for england there's no doubt about it he's basically won a world cup final he's won a test <laughs> match single-handedly almost against australia and all of a sudden is this the captaincy side of thing? This is the the uh, you know uh, kind of element coming into Ben Stokes already that we see.
4: No, this is this is just Ben Stokes, who lives in the moment. You know, he is not one really for thinking either too far in advance or even thinking about what's happened. You know a couple of years ago Ben Stokes you look at the way that he plays his cricket he's how he's always done he is all about in the moment what can he do right there and then everything that happens at the moment is the most important thing in the world to him and once it's done it's done and he moves on and I think Ben was just reflecting that you know that the way he felt at that particular time was just the best that you know the, the best feeling that he could think of and uh, I think the few of us in the press conference, when he said that, we sort of looked at each other and went, yeah, all right, Ben, steady on, mate. You know, <laughs> the, the, the Ashes are heading <laughs> and the World Cup final might just pip that. But he was caught up in it. And, and as you say, he's the captain. And so it probably does feel, you know, kind of even better on some level because he's in charge and and, and he's got a team that are responding to him. I mean, the world just looks like, you know, it's full of unicorns and marshmallows for Ben Stokes right now. He he can't do a thing wrong. Um, And I just think he's kind of been caught up in that. So look, if he wants to say it's the greatest inning, sorry, the greatest game uh, that he's ever been a part of, then, you know, go for it. But uh, those Mm -hmm. of us who've seen a bit, you know, we'll probably put it down at, at least at number three, if not a notch down from that.
3: Uh, we, we can't uh, not acknowledge Johnny Bairstow. I mean, you, as I said, Dean, in the, in the preamble, that you have seen a lot of Test cricket all around the world. Don't think you saw Gilbert Jessup do it back in 1902, <laughs> but uh, Bairstow, Be- 100, off, 100 off 77 with an amazing onslaught after that tea break.
4: It, it really was. And, it, you know, I, I have seen Johnny Besto do this before. Um, but each time it, it has been, you know, up against a white ball, either in T20 or one day cricket. I can remember, in fact, it was a game that England lost um, a couple of years ago before the World Cup. They went up to Scotland and played against Scotland up there. I think 350 runs, you know, each team scored. And Johnny Bairstow got a big hundred. And he just, it, it, while he was out there, it didn't matter where the bowler put the ball, he just sent it over the ropes. Um, he's got such incredible uh, hand-eye coordination and such sweet timing as well, that when he's in mm. that kind of mood, uh, that there's nothing you can do. And unfortunately for, for New Zealand, they, they ran into... To Johnny, uh, absolutely ready to put everything over the ropes, and you know, even you know, they went short at him, which kind of got him going a little bit, and he and he took on the hook really, really strongly. But I think thereafter, you could see some of the shots through the offside, a couple of flicks off his pads, um, some straight sixes. I mean, he just didn't matter where the ball was um, it was going and and that's be- that's because he, he really is a classy high quality cricketer and it's, it's amazing really that you've got someone who with that much talent that much ability, and yet I, I still feel as though there's more to come from him. He's only scored nine Test Match 100s for England, even though he's played 85 matches. With the amount of ability that he's got, really, he should be looking to double that. So um, it was great to see him uh, perform again uh, at Trent Bridge. I, I, I think that he will feel so much better about things as well, because... There's been a lot of talk about a young lad over here called Harry Brook, his Yorkshire teammate, who is just literally the next cab off the rank. He is smashing all the, 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 um, the, 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 the. They've got these kind of charts, all, all the different uh, analysis that they do on players. You know, runs, average, situation, all, all sorts of things. He is number one on all those uh, metrics, and and he's waiting for his chance to get into the team. And so Johnny Bersto has just made sure that he ain't getting a spot at number
3: five. It seems to be, uh, if we look at the all the aspects of, of both these two test matches, uh, a real dearth of quality spin. I'm not sure whether that's this time of the year in England or whether <laughs> the fact that in, neither country appears to have a decent one. Or use them. Yeah,
4: look, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's about the time of, of year because I think, you know, if, if Graham Swan was still playing or Shane Warne was still around or... You know, even Dan Vittori, you know, would come over with New Zealand and and, and do a job. I think it's about the quality of the spinners on on show. I think that Jack Leach is really trying his best to to develop as a spinner, but um, has had a bit of a stop-start career. And I think that he's trying to learn how to bowl on pitches that maybe don't offer as much assistance as he has had down at Somerset, where he's learned his trade, or when he goes to the subcontinent. He's very, very... Um, competent and, and successful in places like India and Sri Lanka uh, but you know if you're going to be an English spinner you've got to be able to to bowl on English pitches um, I thought Michael Bracewell uh, offered um, a little bit of encouragement it was, it was you know he, he certainly put some revs on the ball which which was good and he got a little bit of a dip with it uh, made sure that he kind of pitched it up rather than sort of um, um threw it into the pitch, rather. Uh, but, again, you know, the, the, the England players managed to pick him off pretty comfortably. You know, Joe Root got that big hundred in the first innings. No spinner, whether you're Ravi Ashwin, uh, Ravi Jadeja or Michael Bracewell, you know, Joe Root can can deal with, with the spin. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that is a bit of a, a, a missing link for both teams at the moment. But uh you've got to inv- you know you, you've got to invest in spin in the same way that you invest in you know the other parts of of the game because spinners really are worth their you know worth their weight in gold uh especially when you can get a, a score you know a total of 550 on the scoreboard if you have a spinner who can give you a bit of control then that makes a bit of difference and maybe you're not setting 300 to to as a target in the thir- in the fourth innings
3: so now, how does the the Brendan McCullum scenario sit with uh, the media in particular? Now, how's how's the relationship going there? I would imagine if it's ever going to be good, it's going to be after two consecutive wins first up. But ha- how have you been viewing Baz's part in all this?
4: Well, the the truth is, the relationship at the moment is non-existent because we haven't really <laughs> spoken to Baz since he started. Uh, look, I'm 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 being slightly facetious here. Baz is trying to do what he thinks is the right thing, and I totally understand it. He is saying that if the team are winning and are being successful, he wants the players to take the glory and to be front and centre and really enjoy the rewards of that success, which makes perfect sense of course it does and he says that when they lose and things are going uh, a, a little rough as they you know will probably do at some point then he will step forward and, and try and shield them and protect, protect them and, and and do all the 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 media work thereafter that's all well and good however um the point we're trying to get across to him um and and i know that that, that some have made it is that he, he is the rock star coach he is the guy who is making a big difference to this team he is the one this is his it's been termed baz ball over here now you know that's what we're calling it um the change in the shift in uh, approach you know is, is as much down to him as it is down to ben stokes and we want to talk to him about it so um you know i don't know whether he might tune in or you know whether people back in new zealand might get on the phone to him and say baz the you know the these journos are after you well we're not after him but we do want to talk to him because it is absolutely mm. fascinating what's going on and we think that the english public who you know were royally entertained over the last two weeks need to hear from him
3: yeah interesting that uh, it's it an interesting point of view because uh, I find that interesting because, of course, Baz post-playing has been very much front and center, center in the media.
4: Yeah, look, I, I did. I had a very brief chat with him uh, at training the other day, and and look, there, there was no issue really at all. We had a, a lovely little chat, um, you know, just about families and things. But I think I think it's a it's an admirable quality that he's expressing and while things are going pretty well you know I, as i say i can i can i can understand where he's coming from but i also think as i say i think the public deserve to hear from him win lose or draw um and i also think that he can also give messages to players through the media as well when they've you know even when they've done well you know getting um told you know or, or seeing their name up in lights because uh, you know Brendan has has done so then you know that makes a difference as well with the players so look um, it's fine at the moment no issue really but um yeah we want we, we just want to talk to him we you know at the moment we love him because he's completely revolutionizing <laughs> test cricket um the fans love it the the media love it the players obviously love it so Come and have a chat to us,
3: Baz. We love you. Come on, come on, come and speak to us. <laughs> very nice. Okay, and, and he does listen a wee bit, and, he, and we do have contact with him. So we'll pass that on. Uh, Dean, thank you very much for your time this morning and of your assessment of the the first two weeks of the new regime. It's certainly encouraging from your point of view, and it's now our time, our time, and our turn to try and find a counterpunch, which is uh, it's quite challenging. Thanks, mate. Uh, appreciate it. Look after yourself.
4: Cheers, Murphy. Take
3: care, mate. Yeah, cheers. Dean Wilson there out of uh, the Daily Mirror, of course, keeping a a really close eye on uh, England Test cricket, as he does has done for a long, long time. Seen the ups and downs, and uh, I think it's fair to say that they're enjoying the ups at the moment. Uh, And yes, Baz, if you're listening, speak to the boys. Speak to the boys. Um, Because there'll be a time when you uh, want (laughs) to, you you don't want to speak to them, but you're going to have to. So enjoy the good interviews. That's my advice to you, sir. It is nine twenty-two here on SENZ. Yeah, nine twenty-seven on SENZ, and uh, we've uh, had uh, Gary. We didn't. Gary Stead had a press conference overnight, and uh, we got a couple of grabs from it. First of all, uh, we're talking uh, to Gary Stead with the English media. We're talking to him about the impact of the England crowd and the atmosphere on the series so far.
5: It's a pretty um, incredible experience to be part of when you see the English crowd get in behind their their English teams, and um, certainly we've experienced it on a on a number of occasions here. Now it was it happened at Lords, it, it's happened here, it's happened in World Cup finals, etc. In, in the past, and it certainly is a lift. But I guess for us, it's it, it's still recognising that we're out there competing and. and that crowd you can also silence if you do things very very well, and uh, we had times yesterday where the crowd did go silent when, when it looked like uh, the game could have swung our way, and and I guess that is the the theatre of playing international sport, and and in, in such a capacity like this, I thought it was incredible fifth day to have a full house there at Trent Bridge. It was a it was a yeah it was a pretty cool experience.
3: One of the other aspects, of course, that we've been asking about from home is where has Neil Wagner been? Why, why are you not picking him?
5: It's always hard when you you have to leave a player like Neil Wagner out. Um, we looked at the balance of, a, of our side and, and just felt that um, Matt Henry and the way that he'd been bowling through the tour was a guy that we felt we couldn't leave out of the team as well. So you then start looking at what that looks like as a bowling group, and 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 I guess for us, um, we felt that the the team that we we had was the right team out there. And as I said, that's that doesn't make it any easier when you're leaving someone of the calibre of Neil Wagner out either.
3: And just finally, uh, what about approaching from here on? And how are you going to approach uh, taking on the England attack?
5: You just just really have to. Um, be clear on what your plans are, and make sure that that when they are flicking their switch, that we have options. Then that we can we can go to. And we tried some things that didn't work the other day. That doesn't mean they won't work in the future. So we 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 have trust in our players. We have trust in in the way we're going about playing the game. We just need a little bit of luck. And I think both both tests we were in the game right right to the very last session. We just failed to I guess pick up that wicket when we needed to.
3: Mm, starting to do a few losing press conferences as Gary said, isn't he? Four out of the last six, including Bangladesh, South Africa and now England. It's starting to hurt. Uh, listen, we're going to go to the news very shortly, but uh, just time to tell you about uh, the opportunity to call for a chemist warehouse. Uh, voucher to the value of 50 bucks. Call 0800 811. Uh, we've got Emma working this morning, and she's sitting there waiting for your calls to come in, and a number of subjects, I can see her there, um, pristine in her white jacket. So I, I just I look forward to uh, to talking to uh, anyone about any number of those subjects, uh, your reaction to the cricket test. You you're still might be hurting over the football yesterday, and of course we've got uh, a little matter of uh, a Kiwi side being named and a super rugby final coming up, Crusaders against the Blues. Your predictions there a couple of days out. Uh, that coming up after the news. First of all, though, here is Aroha.
1: Talk Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's 50 dollar Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811
3: here on SENZ and first up this morning it is Neville from Dunedin who I'm pretty sure wants to talk a a little bit about the golf situation Neville because uh, of course the US Open uh, starts tomorrow as well exciting times but mixed times for golf Nev. good morning to you
6: yes they sure are Ian but (laughs) I was very amused by your uh, conversation with Stead he, he certainly didn't convince them his answer about Neil Wagner. I think he needs to realise he is a bowler who should be there. He is our spinner. He is our partner breaker, and really that's about it. Um, but anyway, um, golf, we've had some interesting things happening. We had two winners, actually, um, that slipped under the radar. Young Momoka Kabori, she uh, had a win in Europe, which um, was really amazing. It's her first um, foray to Europe, and she won her first event by three shots. Um, And in Fiji, we had young um, Luke Kumi. He won the Sheraton Classic over there. He beat Josh Geary by one shot. So that, that was really good. Um...
3: Now no, coming back to go on. No, no. I, I just want to. I was just going to say that they, that they're very encouraging, and the, the strength of our golf and the our golfing programs is becoming very, very, um, very evident, Neville. So, uh, you know, golf's in and yes. damn good heart, right, right throughout the groups. But yeah, moving on. Um, just looking at uh the U.S. Open, that's that's going
6: to be very interesting with players there from the live golf tour because things are turning nasty is about the best way i can put it we've got McElroy coming out again and saying oh their history their best days are behind them we've got john rahm slamming them we've also got feldo and um jambly they're all saying they'd betrayed the tour We've got Stanley saying Norman and Mickelson could be kicked out of the Hall of Fame. And we've now got the latest little bit of news is that the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour are going to have a big conference meeting to decide what to do about it. And I don't know, I just think... There's a lot of fault on both sides. They've got to sort it out, and they've got to
3: sort it out in a better way than they're doing now. Totally agree with you, Neville. It is becoming very ugly in a sport that shouldn't be. Um, it's a, you know, it's not, a, not a contact sport as such, but there's a lot of hurtful stuff going on a, about it. I think. Thanks very much for your call, mate. And I, I think you're right too. On the, they're going to have to. Ban together, I think, the PGA and the DP World Tour because if there's going to be a ban on these players and they really want to make a point of it, they can't uh, leave, uh, continue to leave doors open for them to go and play on other on others tours around the world. So if they want it out, if they want to really oppose the LIV, they've got to be unified in their, ban- in their blanket ban. Thank you, Neville, in the draw to win the Chemist Warehouse Voucher. Dean from Dunedin, good morning to you, Dino. What's on your mind this morning? What has tickled your fancy or made you angry?
7: Not angry, mate. I'm never angry. I love it. To be brutally honest, like I how do we question for you? I want to talk about the rugby, but can you actually see? Now, this is going to hurt a lot of you cricket enthusiasts that love the five-day thing. But if if cricket goes the way Brendan is going to try and get it to go, and if England can hang in there doing that, like they'll get Joey Butler, whatever his name is, in there next, and he'll just be another one that'll come in and go mental. We could be because it's not going to come off all the time. And then if the opposition try to do it. We're going a three-day test. Because, you know, they're a need that's or a true. catch or something for not happening. And then all of a sudden we've got, what do we do with these other two days? You know, like, it's a huge history. Like, it's great. <laughs> I mean, if they can play five days cricket like that, I'm going every test, mate. Like, I'd love it. But that's not going to happen. You're going to get a nick. You know, you're going to get a good ball. It's just, that's the beauty of the game. That's why we're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. But, man, that's Stokes. He's a... He's a bloody good Pom, but he's a Kiwi lad born in he? And he's been there. He's an enigma, mate. He's just an enigma. He, we can't get him out. He's, he's confident. He's just, he's a young Brendan. It's bloody scary.
3: Look, well, I, I got no idea about um, the future of Test cricket worldwide, but it certainly is a trend. Uh, and if I look back, Dean, over the history of results in the, in the game, um, you know certainly there are a lot more results than there used to be and that is because uh, primarily because of the attitude of the players and the demand on the players to provide entertainment now this test match was really really well populated in fact it was sold out yesterday it was free to get in uh, I don't imagine they thought it was going to be such a spectacular day they probably would have charged for that kind of entertainment but nevertheless they were now it was only two weeks ago Dean that uh, everyone in England was dis- dismayed. At the the ticket sales at Lord's, thinking it was going to be an absolute disaster. It's just be it's just the same simple theory that uh, if you get winning, everyone gets grinning, uh, and then of course all other options are open up. But it's been a brilliant start by McCullum and Stokes, um, and it's it's as simple as that. Mate. You know you know what sports like, and and they're playing it the right way, Dean. That, that's what I'm getting
7: at, though, Smokey. It, it's just it's. I mean, I don't like losing, but we contributed to that as well. Like, don't lose sight of how we played, you know. Like, it was like if Jameson didn't hurt himself, that, we might have won that test, and we might have won it as convincingly as they did. And if I'm not... I mean, I'm a... I don't know as much about cricket as you, Smithy, but I love Wagner. Like, he's there stokes Like, he just grits his teeth and goes and goes and goes. Like, I don't think... I mean, it's all hypothetical, but I, I reckon Wagner... I was listening on the radio, and he's feeling a mid-wicked or something. I like, oh my God, can't he just bowl the ball? Why, why can't we make this even you now? Give him <laughs> a border ball to bowl. You know, but that's the beauty of yes. it. That's what we love about sport. And steady, dead. I love that man, mate. Like, compare him to Forster. Like, it's chalk and cheese. One, one's telling the truth, and the other one's talking riddles.
3: Dino, always great to hear from you, mate. It really is. Uh, I understand your sentiments. I want to hear from you tomorrow, actually, about uh, what's coming up in terms of the rugby. So make sure you please give us a call tomorrow morning. Uh, Tony from Auckland. Hey, g'day, Tony. How are you? Yeah,
8: how are you going, Smitty? Hey, um, I just want to yep. turn the clock back a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day when I was at primary, you, Martin Crow. And I can't remember the other player. I think it might have been John Wright. I don't think it was Richard Hadley. And it was in 1980 or 81. And um, you came to a little school called uh, St. Mary's in Hastings.
3: And I'm pretty That's right. sure... right. Um, I remember it well. Yeah. Um, I think Ray, yeah, Ray, Ray um, Metric might have been in charge. Was Ray Metric in charge back in those days, around there, about that time?
8: Oh, mate, I was like nine years old. Um, I was I was actually um, getting uh, shown how to bat by Martin Crowe, so it's kind of something that in the back of my mind it has been for a long time, and it kind of makes you when things like that happen, it keeps you involved in the game because it definitely did keep me involved in the game. Uh, I wasn't never was really knew about cricket back then, obviously at that age, but after that, um my old man used to watch it a lot, but I never watched it really with him, so. Um, but yeah, you you think of those times, you know, of things like that that happen as as you as in your childhood, and, and, and it sticks with you. And and, and it's good because um, it, it it infiltrates onto to the kids, you know, like my kids, like they play cricket and soccer now. Normally, i am growing up as a rugby man, but you know, whatever whatever sport you want to play, play. It. Uh, don't you know? Don't try and uh, get them to play what you want them to play. You let them play what they want to play. You be forced. Force absolutely, and, uh, absolutely. Force, yes. if you force kids
3: into doing something that they don't want to do, they retaliate. Yeah, yeah. you're dead right <laughs> there, actually. And as a case these days, of have them make up their mind, and, and, and there are so many more options for them uh, to consider while they're trying to do that. Uh, Tony, that's the thing, and and the traditional sports, uh, as you pointed out, I think soccer's pretty strong. Soccer very strong at, at youth and junior level. Cricket's a, a little bit of a worry. Sometimes I, I think some parents regard cricket as because it goes for three or four hours on a Saturday morning as a nice babysitting service. So they're not that genuinely interested in it. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, other, other times you see um, good crowds at cricket games at all. I think the younger the players, uh, you know, the younger the kids, the more the parents are uh, hands-on. And that's, for, that's for an obvious point of view. So uh, thank you very much, Tony, for your call and now uh, reminiscing back to those days. Uh, you're in the draw as well. Uh, and Zade, Zade from Auckland. Uh, we're only two days out from the Blues and the Crusaders. Zade, how, how are you feeling about things?
1: Absolutely can't wait for the final. Um, as uh, people would say, I'm absolutely pumped. Um, and as you were just saying probably a few calls ago, um, the, the, as, as teams win, the crowds get bigger and bigger. Um, probably about three, four weeks ago, you were complaining, oh, not complaining, but you are bringing up the crowd's are small and look at the crowd for this Saturday. forty-five, fifty thousand 50,000 sold out at the final that everyone wants. Where have these fans been all year? I've been going to all the games. Where, where's everyone, everyone's just out of woodwork, aren't they? Smitty, aren't they? Coming out of the woodwork.
3: Say they, uh, they? The so they, you know, they like a big occasion. I mean, New Zealand likes a party and, and they'll make it a party. It won't just be the game itself. There'll be lots of, uh, Lots of events around it, um, and it, and of course it's been brewing. It's, it's this is the this is the contest yeah. that everyone wanted. Say, let's be fair, this is the one that we've been hanging out for yeah, right. almost since round one. You know, it's been a mixed competition with COVID and playing in Queenstown and Dunedin and all over the joint. But this is the one. I mean, I I, I detect it in your voice, yeah. and I, I also kind of detect that you think Auckland aren't going to let you. The Blues are not going to let you down. Is that right?
1: Well, I would hope would hope not. You've, they've been this far, 15 games in a row. It's just one more, boys. That's what I'm hoping. Um, I, I'm I'm going to be interested to see if there's any changes this afternoon when the team comes out. If Caleb Clark and Dalton Puglisi, if one of those, is, if any of them are fit. Um, we've heard rumours. Are they going to play in the final? And just quickly on the cricket, um, Johnny Bear, So, have you ever seen hitting like that other than Brendan McCullum? I think Brendan McCullum's is doing what he wants. Is already rubbing off on the players, it seems, already. And that's what we're always fearing. As soon as McCullum got the job, he was going to do it. And, of course, his first two test matches were against New Zealand. But um, on that pitch, that pitch was an absolute road. I've never heard of 1,600 runs in a game.
3: Most ever, ever uh, on... Uh, Trent Bridge, most runs ever in the history of Trent Bridge cricket Zay, thank you very much for your call and if we can't speak to you tomorrow, look forward to uh, that rugby at the weekend mate, I hope you enjoy it because as you say you go there all the time you have been one of the most faithful supporters 9.45 here on SENZ we'll make a call on who wins the Chemist Warehouse Voucher very shortly Uh, and of course uh, just after 10 o'clock we'll be uh, speaking to the Kiwis coach Michael Maguire
8: it's
3: Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose Season 2. Yes, it is Season 2, and uh, we're going okay. We've raised $395 for our charity of choice, which is Women's Refuge. Uh, but we need more, and so in an effort to do that, we are taking a horse at Eddington tomorrow. Race 7, number 1, Rakero Raider. Raquero Raider It's won both of its trials so far, drawn 1, Over 1,980 metres. Looks uh, like a promising horse in an open race. So there you go. Rekero Raider, number one, race seven at Addington uh, tomorrow. Uh, We've had uh, a number of texts in this morning. Carlos has come and said, I'm absolutely fuming at the Black Gaps. How can we lose a game after scoring 550 in the first dig? I can point the finger at several failings on this tour. Firstly, we play Patel on a Lord's Green Top. Secondly, Williamson gets COVID. Thirdly, Wagner not used at Trent Bridge. Fourthly, Braceful gets COVID. What the hell is going on here? Not one England player in, this, uh, in their whole squad has got COVID during this series. This is as much a leadership failing as it is on the field. Tactically, Brendan McCullum has peppered us like a Sunday roast. Nice line that. Preppered us like a Sunday roast. Uh, pretty much has too, uh, to be fair. Uh, Carlos, yeah, he pretty much has at this point. Um, but he doesn't want to gloat on it and dwell on it himself publicly. He's giving all the kudos and all the accolades uh, to the players, the coaches and the standout players on e- each particular day. So there'll be a time probably at the end of the series where we'll Brennan will front up in a, in a review type situation and get a report card going. But at the moment, he's uh, just uh, trying to do it his way, which is uh, to not be front and centre. Um and I can understand that. It is uh, coming up 9.53 here on SCNZ. Of course we'll have a multi just before 10 and Michael Maguire just after.
7: You got to know when to hold Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run.
1: Bit live on your favorite sports. Download the TAB app today.
3: Blue Jays got beaten yesterday by the Baltimore Orioles. It was a high-scoring game, but they just couldn't get up in the ninth inning, so uh, that one went out the window. Boston Red Sox did beat the Oakland A's, um, but that wasn't enough quite clearly. Uh, Today, they've gone for a 4 prong multi. Uh, Rabbitohs to beat the Dragons tonight at $1.44. Yes, the NRL beginning uh, tonight. Australia playing Sri Lanka in a one-day international overnight as well. I believe Australia were just too powerful for them at $1.33. Um, and in tennis, a couple of uh, tennis tournaments uh, going on on the other side of the world with a view towards Wimbledon. Of course, it's the next cab off the rank in terms of uh, the Grand Slam. Tommy Paul to beat uh, Stan Wawrinka at $1. seventy-four. Tommy Paul at $1. seventy-four, And Maria Sakari to beat Katsukina in a pretty evenly contested women's match tonight as well as $1.78. So all come together there. The Rabbitohs, Australia, Tommy Paul and Maria Sakari uh, that will come up at $5.93, all told. Best of luck with that. And Dave, just to reiterate, the pacing for purpose horse is not race one, it's race seven. Race seven at Addington tomorrow, number one, Rakero Raider. Uh, we've got, uh, as I said, uh, Michael Maguire, who announced a 25-man uh, Kiwi squad yesterday. They've, of course, got a test match, a one-off test against a Tonga. Well, imagine the feeling in that one uh, coming up in, uh, in June 25th. They assemble next week. So uh, we'll get uh, all the inside information from Michael Maguire uh, on the, na- the naming of that squad, the makeup of the squad, um, and uh, talk about some of the new names in there. There's eight, eight players who have yet to play for the Kiwis involved in that squad of 25. So that's quite a high percentage. It is time for the news now with Araha, and uh, when we come back, rugby league and a panel in the next hour.
9: Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side by side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past
8: Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: International Rugby League returns to Mount Smart Stadium on June the 25th for an epic double header clash between the, the Kiwi Ferns uh, and uh, the Kiwis taking on their Tongan r- respective opponents. Uh, league fans in this country have been starved of international footy, so this couldn't come at a better time with uh, the Warriors' homecoming set for the following week as well. Uh, Kiwis coach Michael Maguire today named 25-man squad with eight potential debutants, including Ronaldo Multalo, uh, Dylan Brown, Panthers Joe Moses Lyota, and Scott Sorensen, Aaron Clark and Marata New Quarter SENZ, we're pleased to say well, we're bringing you live commentary of the Kiwis and the Tonga Test, so excitement levels here are very high. Michael Maguire joins us now on the line from Australia. Michael, uh, welcome. Um, some interesting new names uh, in this uh, particular squad. I guess not just uh, Tonga, but the World Cup in October in mind in, in that regard.
10: Yeah, thanks for having me on, uh, Smithy. I really appreciate it. Um, it's exciting times for the International Rugby League uh, and obviously the Kiwis. Uh, we've got quite a a new group coming through which obviously from a couple of years off with the COVID situation we've got a lot of uh, new generation coming through so it's an exciting time for the the Kiwi team.
3: It's going to be a very physical one we know what Tonga are going to bring um, you know so I guess you've got to prepare for that so how how do you get uh, how do you re-establish that pride in the jersey and, and bearing in mind what you know is going to hit you?
1: Yeah,
10: over the last sort of couple of years, we've been able to sort of keep a fairly strong connection between the boys that uh, we've had on tours over, um, you know, probably from two or three years ago, and you know they, they do cross paths a lot of the fellows uh, when we've been playing over the years. So there is a strong connection between the blo- uh, the players. Um, but one thing that we will do, we'll just establish that straight away once we hit camp. Uh, they all come in on Monday, and I'm really looking forward to that moment actually when they all come back together again because uh, there is a strong bond between the. Uh, the men, and you know, obviously, from there, we then need to build into the week and have a really good, solid week of preparation. Uh, bring back some of the things that we've done in the past and who we are and what the jumper represents uh, to how we want to be mm. on the park and uh, obviously represent um, their, their people. So, and you yes. know, they're very passionate about their country.
6: Is this
3: the strongest Kiwi side you've been able to assemble so far?
10: Yeah, I, I think so, Smithy. Look at the depths when I first started the role, it was. Sort of a number of positions we didn't have a lot of players in certain positions but especially over the last two or three years the uh the amount of the kiwi boys that have started coming onto the lists now uh, it's actually really exciting for where the jersey can be taken and you know it's the start of something special again after obviously the spell that we've had and uh the strength of the the group and the depths of each position um makes it very competitive so sitting down with the selectors and going through the team uh it was actually exciting to to think about, you know, we could be going with this player or that player, but, you know, how are they performing? So um, but we're really looking at a team that's performing well and all the players that we've picked are playing well at their club level.
3: Yeah, they are, and there's no doubt about that. But uh, there, there is an omission. And people, of course, Michael, will always look at omissions when you, you look at any side that's picked. Sean Johnson's name is not there. Have, uh, is the door closed on Sean, or have you been in contact with him with a view in mind to later in the year, perhaps?
10: Yeah, it's still wide open. Uh Sean and I have spoken quite a number of times and uh you know, I've really enjoyed our relationship over the years. Uh, you know, from when we first came together with the Kiwi team, uh, he's been an integral part of you know, helping develop the, the the direction of the jersey and uh he knows what he needs to do, uh, game wise, uh to be able to get himself back into the, the arena. So his focus is that. Um but you know, also saying that we've got some really good young ones coming through that's uh, like Dylan Brown, you know, I think uh, the way he's been playing, especially over the last two years, has really shown that he can step up into the levels now of the international footy.
3: OK, let's uh, look at one of the terrific stories, too. And I guess this was a great phone call to make to Tamari Martin. Uh, what a comeback this has been, and and with his form in the NRL now complete almost, with uh, a, a a call up to the Kiwis as such.
10: Yeah, it's a really good story. I think uh, you know uh, when you're a young player and you've got dreams of that and aspirations of playing for your country, which Tamari had. Um, prior to him getting injured, I was very fortunate to take him over to Denver to a test match, and uh, he's a great character and a great person. And you know, unfortunately, he sort of suffered uh, some injuries there that had to set him back. But he's worked hard to get himself back into um, you know playing at a really high level, and I think he's been a significant part of the resurgence of what's going on there at the Broncos. and how he's playing with uh, the players there and you know he deserves uh, the opportunity to come back into the jumper
3: what are we looking at in terms of a spine here you you've mentioned uh, dylan brown uh, you've got uh, jerome hughes and brandon smith you've got the possibility of uh, joey manu potentially at fullback to Marty martin uh, how excited about uh, are you about the, the pivotal spine in this side
10: uh, really excited too. It's um you know, I think Joey Amano Mano has definitely shown what he's capable at fullback and uh, you will see him there at fullback, um, in the spine and uh looking forward to him, you know, doing what Joey does and that's play at a really high level. I think every time he plays uh at fullback, uh, he's shown that he can be a world class and you know, the more he plays there the better he's gonna get. So look, Joey's a, uh, you know, I think in years to come we'll be talking about how well Joey's played for the Kiwi jersey. So looking forward to getting the boys back together and um, creating really good combinations with the spine because it's an integral part of your team.
3: And uh, the, the, the blokes up front, you know, your James fisher harriss your Jesse Bromwiches, the Bromwich brothers, uh, Joseph Tup, and then Moses uh, Um What do you, what kind of uh, performance are you expecting from that packer? Are, are you expecting them to dominate as such?
10: Well, we're going to have to because that's where the game really starts. It starts up the front and, you know, Tonga, as we know, are a big team, so they're going to be very physical, and we need to make sure that we're uh, we're doing the same. Um, But you know, I'm pleased with how you know the guys have been performing club level to be able to come together. And you know, Jesse's always been a a strong leader uh, in everything that he's done, and to see James Fisher Harris come on in the way he's playing is um, you know it's, it's just gone to another level. And you know joey taps as well he's had a really good strong consistent year so we've got some strong players there that uh and then big Nels comes into that and moses leota so you know i've got some good names there that um you know are coming through and even some of the younger guys that we are bringing in like the griffin neem you know he's a he's a name there that people are going to start to recognize over time where he's uh playing some great um rugby league up there at north queensland so you know we've got a good pack and a good solid uh group there and Uh, further down the track. You know, we've got someone like Joe Wahagruz that's uh, unfortunately out at the moment with a hamstring tear. So, you know, we've got players like that available to us. But uh, you were definitely going to have to match uh, the size and uh, the physicality of uh, Tonga and make sure that, uh, you know, we go above it.
3: Always interesting when you bring unkept players into any sporting side. Uh, but you, when you do, you require and uh, you need a lot of uh, leadership around those players uh, from a playing point of view. Who are your leaders? Who are the guys you're going to tap on the shoulder in the next uh, week or so and just say, uh, I need you, uh, the team needs you, etc.?
10: Well, I've got quite a few of them, actually. I, I, I look across the team and, you know, you've got Jesse Bromwich, who's obviously you know, well-known with his leadership uh, there at Melbourne Storm, but even Joey Tapps at uh, Canberra now has become a really strong leader. Uh, James Fisher-Harris, another one that uh, leads the way. But someone like Jerome Hughes, I think, is um, a player that, Over the four or five years, I think he's shown a real consistency of being able to drive the Melbourne Storm team around, and you know they've driven that to success. And uh, he plays a massive part in in, uh, how they go about things. So, look, I've got some good, solid, strong people there that um, understand what it takes, and even someone like a Kieran Foran in in the squad will bring a lot of experience and composure around at this level. Uh, You know, it's about the build-up and making sure that you know, everyone's doing their role. So across the that list of players, uh, I'm pleased with uh, the leadership that we'll have.
6: Uh, in
3: terms of those uncapped players, when you have to whittle it down to uh, a playing squad on the day, uh, would you imagine uh, quite a few of them will be involved or are they there just to get in there, get that, the experience of the jersey as such?
10: Uh, you'll see the squad come out uh, next week, but um, yeah, we will, we'll have a few there that are going to have their first cap jersey. Uh, so you know, we're amongst the names there, but having the wider squad gives me a really good look at, you know, the potential touring party uh, for the World Cup and it's a good practice for us. So it's we've got one week where we can uh, hone in on our um, practice and our cohesion and, and just living together as a group because going away to a World Cup, uh, you're away for seven or eight weeks and, you know, that group. Is uh, the group that's in charge of, you know, bringing home the trophy. So I want to really look at how the dynamics of the group will be with the uh, the size of um, the selection that we've had.
3: Uh, one of the interesting uh, dynamics about it too, Michael, is normally when you play at home, you have, you know, a, a pretty much a home advantage. When you play Tonga, not quite the case uh, yeah. in, in Auckland, of course, because. It's almost the home game for them, but the other thing about it is because so many players have not even been on New Zealand soil for so long, for for obvious reasons. How are you going to get the home advantage into these guys against Tonga? Well, I
10: know how passionate they are around their family, and they're all going to have their families there, and I think it'll be quite easy. Uh, you know, obviously, you know the Tongans love to turn out, and you know it'll be an absolute spectacle uh, for rugby league over there at the international level. So our players, you know they play for their, their people and their families and each other. So I think it'll be quite easy to have the, the boys turned up. Uh, but we also know it's going to be a very physical game. So, you know, we're going to have to, as I said, you know, be very well prepared and ready to go. And um, no doubt, uh, you know, the Tongan crowd is quite loud and we're going to have to make sure that we're communicating well.
3: So you brace yourself for an all-out assault early on. Is, is, is that basically it? Or are you just going to, would you, would you hope you, you, that your guys are just going to go just as hard back?
10: oh we definitely have to go hard back we need to set set the tone obviously it's uh you know it's a test match and you know every test match it comes down to moments in games and you know there might be a subtle moment that uh someone pulls off a a try saving tackle or or pushes a little harder to to achieve a win at that moment in time so you know the players you know have been playing uh, at high levels and it's about bringing that together and you know we've got to make sure that you know, the, it's a really good week, and the focus is about you know working hard for each other. And you know, it's the little things in the game that I always look for, and you know, for for the players to work hard for each other. And we know that they're they're going to come out, um, you know, very physical, and, and you know, we need to make sure that we're uh, we're going after that as well.
3: So, World Cup, uh, we've had a count up as around 121 days away. I imagine you have as well. After this Tongan um, one-off, what? What opportunities, uh, bearing in mind the busy NRL program, what opportunities will you have with your guys?
10: Yeah, well, that is the challenge for myself is being able to get that group together. And, you know, I'll be able to get around a little bit now and, uh, you know, get to the players and have, you know, various group meetings. But whilst they're playing at their club level, they're fairly focused on that. So, you know, we'll come into our camp once the grand final's finished. Uh, We've got a leading game at Leeds uh, where the players that... uh, yeah, I'm um, playing in the semis and the grand final, I'll be able to have a bit of a hit out and then the guys in the semis and the grand final will meet us over there and literally the the World Cup starts. So the lead-in time is very short, but um, yeah, I'll be able to get around to the players, but that's why this week is very important for us.
3: Had a quick look at the Tongan squad named by Christian Wolfe. Have you had an opportunity?
10: Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's a lot of talent in the in the team. So, yeah, we'll do our homework and be aware of how they're going to play. And obviously, uh, as I said, prepare well for them.
3: I Just had a text in from uh, someone who said, "How would you? Uh, uh, can I ask, uh, Michael, how you would characterise the make off of this Kiwi team across the board? I, I would imagine, in terms of uh, uh, experimental as opposed to fixed units, I would be thinking."
10: Uh, look, I think you're going to see a fair bit of the the connections of the team um, evolve, you know, through this week for myself personally. It's it's how they connect, and you know, someone like Joey Manu playing at fullback with the spine. You know, we've got Dylan Dylan Brown for his first time coming in. So, you know, the connections is uh, the key to to all team performances. So, you know, uh, how they how they come together and how they mix together is uh, an important part of yeah you know, what makes up team and you know they're all recognizing that you know they've probably dreamed of being able to play for the kiwi jersey all their life is something that uh makes the motivation very easy for the players to uh to stay focused and get ready to go
3: michael Maguire, uh fantastic that you've uh, given us some time this morning uh we're so looking forward to the Kiwis running out, it just seems like it's been forever, mate, and as a precursor to the World Cup, which is just, what, four months away. All the best with uh, the way you are able to get the squad together. Congratulations on the naming of it and the introduction of some some really new blood. We look forward to uh, how they perform. Thank you.
10: Yeah, same. Thank you very much. Really looking forward to getting over there and uh, seeing a, a huge support behind rugby league.
3: You're going to see it, I think it'll be a really big crowd Thank you mate, uh, thank you and all the very best uh, for your time this morning 10.17 here on SENZ uh, We'll have a panel next uh, and uh, we'll have uh, a chance and opportunity to, to talk about what uh, Michael Maguire has just said there is in terms of what he's looking for uh, in this initial squad anyway uh, in this one-off game against Tonga on June 25th, uh, part of a doubleheader where the Kiwi Ferns uh, are in action as well
1: SENZ
4: talk big opinions
3: the panel James Regan and Sam Ackerman with us uh, this morning with a a number of issues to get through so we shall begin with you Sam Ackerman if I can please Uh, what did you make of the Kiwi squad just had a chat to uh, Michael Maguire seems really excited about the introduction of eight new caps as well
0: Well, you imagine he'd be excited after losing his last gig. He'd be really keen to get on with his next one. Uh, But he's also... He he deserves to be excited. It's been a couple of years since we've seen the Kiwis uh, in action. And I've I've got to say that when... I I didn't think I'd feel quite this this way about it. When this team came out and I saw the uh, the list there, I, I actually had to hear in the back of my neck stand up thinking I can't believe how long it's been since the Kiwis have been in action. I know they don't get flooded with games on a regular basis but I can't think of a national team of of that level in New Zealand that has been completely sidelined completely sidelined uh, during the uh, pandemic so it's been an awful long wait and wonderful uh, to have him back and it's great that it's on home soil and really looking forward to seeing him take on Tonga. It's obviously a lot have been made of the fact there's only one uh, warrior within uh, those ranks and I, I can understand why that is a big deal but I, I think that says as much about the depth of the squad uh, than anything. Yep, Sean Johnson's not there and uh, not that long ago that would have been almost unthinkable to uh, to look at but the halves that they have uh, are good and they're and they're playing well. I mean, it, it, you can't say the same thing about Sean Johnson in the playing well category. So it's it, it makes sense. A lot of good halves uh, and people who have played for New Zealand left on the sideline. that's a a wonderful situation to be in, and I certainly think they've got the the halves depth over Tonga uh, in that that situation, but a lot of good forwards, good forwards in form, and yes, there are eight newcomers in a wider squad. I only really expect maybe three of them, four of them maybe to, uh, to sneak their way through into that first team, but look at someone like Dylan Brown. He may not have played a test, but he's been around the Kiwis for a long time, and he would have played every test that the Kiwis would have played in the last couple of years most likely as well, so um, some of those, the stats of being a test rookie kind of belies the um, the depth and experience of of this team. But it's a it's a good squad, Smitty. It's got uh, some strong players, and I love the story of uh, Tamari Martin. We we thought this guy's career was over, but there's no way you think he's coming back from a uh, from the bleeding on the brain like that. When someone announces they're giving the game away, you go fair play, thanks for everything. But to see him earn his way back uh, and play in a multitude of, of different positions uh, at the Broncos to get there, it's it's a cool story.
3: Totally agree. I think it's one heck of a story, actually. One one of inspiration, real one of inspiration. So he's, uh, he's yeah. part of the squad, of course, uh, James Regan. I, I, I wonder if you've had a, a chance to cast your uh, your eyes over it and what you've made of it. For instance, there's players in there, and, and I, I, I will confess to saying I'm not a, a completely au fait with a, a lot of what goes on in rugby league as such. I'm learning on a daily basis, but are players in there I, I didn't actually realize were kiwi eligible so when i see that name that group of names on paper i'm, I'm quite surprised the, about the makeup of it james
11: yeah yeah you're, you're right the, there are players in there that probably had a couple of options when it comes to to the international game with how the rules are but someone like ronaldo Militala, the fact that he's you know pledged his allegiance to the kiwi jersey is, is huge because he's he's a really exciting young talent who did have a couple of options and and everything that Sam said is bang on about these guys coming in. They may not have the international experience, but that's just how the world has gone over the past couple of years. But they've certainly got uh, a lot of NRL experience for their age. And I'm really excited to see uh, Dylan Brown in there. And, and there are guys as well who have been kind of veterans of the Kiwis as well who are still in there and who are who are still at the top of their game and they're in there on merit. You know, the Bromwich brothers, Nelson, and South Solomon. Solomona, Kieran Foreign who's in there as well, who's probably not been spoken about that much, but he's um, he's right on top of his game for Manly this year as well. So it's a really strong side, and um, the, the Tongan side is really strong as well. So if you're the Kangaroos, I reckon you're looking around going, "Wow, we, we've really got to pull it together for this World Cup at the end of the year." Bearing in mind that Tonga and the Kiwis are going to have a game under their belt as well, which which I think will make a big difference, given how long uh, how long it's been between drinks for these guys.
3: What are you expecting out of this clash, Sam, with, uh, with Tonga? And these these one-off games are often uh, often the best, more so than series uh, encounters.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And obviously, uh, for anyone who isn't keeping score, Tonga are world beaters now, and they're a threat every time they go in. They're a very strong squad but the squads that uh, New Zealand and Australia and England have put up against Tonga should always, in most of those occasions I'd look at it and go, well They should have won that, it's not that Tonga's squad is unstoppable, they're just playing with a huge amount of heart and the, the Kiwis love this jersey I, I remember passionately seeing some of these players in tears during uh, haka performances and national anthems, it means a lot to this team, so I'm, I'm really excited uh, for watching what style this New Zealand side goes with and I want to see this pack, when you look at that pack on paper, I want to see them go and try to dominate what will be a very physical and pack as well. So they've got the capability. I mean, Joseph Tapane would walk into any side. I think on form right now we know that um, Isaiah Papali'i is, uh, you yeah, know, he's a, a beast from the last year and a half. He's Again, I think he, he'd be an origin player if he um, led that way. Um, the human eclipse, Nelson, Nelson Osofa-Solomona, again, he's just a bruiser. I, I, I love so much about this, this side on paper, but I'm... Th- uh, it's a little known fact as well certainly, because there obviously hasn't been any tests fully played in, in a fair while New Zealand is ranked number one in the world so they are the, the top side in rugby league not current world champions but you know, fingers crossed that that can potentially change uh, this year Australia really never seems that committed to playing test matches so it's time for New Zealand to start to take Real ownership of that, and tell them, well, you can get your team together now and then, but we have a actual team, not just a bunch of champion players. We have a champion team. That's the uh, the issue that I've got here. And Smithy, I appreciate that you're picking up on rugby league every week. If, if look at it in this context, if you start to pay attention to this squad, you'll see a couple of Smokies for the All Blacks 2027 World Cup team. So, you know, just, oh, just take a little okay. look and, and invest in that. <laughs>
3: Uh, and, oh, 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 well, I won't leave you alone on that then, Sam Ackerman. Uh, RTS, the, the dream is almost there. I mean, he hasn't worn the black jersey as such, but he's not far away from it, it seems.
0: Yeah, and and you can't argue that, he, uh, that he's got there a reputation, can you? He's he's really earned a, a shot, in my opinion, to, to be in that conversation in an area of the uh, of the All Blacks squad, which has got a lot of depth but no dominance. So I think he's got a real chance to get in there, and I re- I'm really looking forward to seeing their classes is, uh, is, for him. Is, is no question, form is strong, um, and given as he didn't really get a chance to play in the, uh, the the domestic comp last year thanks to COVID, it's a, it's a it's a, a really great elevation at a quick rate, but I don't think anyone's going, it's too soon. And that shows a lot about um, how quickly Tuvasa shakes adapted. I, I think it's wonderful.
3: Okay. Um, we'll be back with uh, James Regan and Sam Ackerman uh, very shortly. Uh, we've got to go to the news with Araha uh, right now. And uh, when I come back, uh, James, we were ranked, uh, we're talking at world rankings, we were ranked uh, number one in the World Cricket Test Championship ladder uh, quite some time ago, but... Man, we're well, certainly not now. Uh, James Regan, I'll ask you, what's going on? What's going wrong? Very shortly. Here's Ottawa.
1: The Opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me,
3: yeah. Sam Ackerman with us this morning, as is James Regan. And uh, James Regan, you know, only three times previously has a uh, side, scored 553 in the first innings in a, of a cricket test and lost. Uh, we now have done it twice uh, but the latest one is, uh, is a little bit earth-shattering for me. What is happening to this New Zealand cricket side? Is it just a case of the McCullum-Stokes era has begun with a flourish, or are we not playing that well?
11: I think it's probably a bit of both. Um, there's no doubt that Brendan McCullum and Stokes have, have had a big impact on this England team, no more so in just giving them a huge amount of confidence, I expect. But... As for New Zealand. Maybe they yeah, maybe they just need to change it up a bit. Um, maybe the you know, these boys that have been away on the IPL they're just a bit tired. You know, you look at a bowling attack and they'll be they'll be out on their feet, I reckon. So, you know, keep you know, fans are saying it, why not put Wagner in? Why not why not change something up and do something a bit different? Because the way that the closing stage of that test went, it must have just been demoralizing for those guys who let's be fair have have been the dominant team in test cricket over the past couple of years and now they're now they've come up against um against something where they're going to have to show a bit of resilience so it will be tough for them to get back on their feet you don't doubt that they can do it they've got the potential and they've got the pedigree behind them to show that they can do it but it's it's going to be tough you know they've come up against an england team who have shown more resolve in the past two test matches than they've shown probably in the past two or three years or more. So it's going to be tough for this black cat side to, to get back on their feet and dust themselves off. But I think you have to look at, at bringing some, something new in as well. And, and for me, it screens Wagner, someone who every ball he's running in and, and giving, you know, a thousand percent, he's giving it all. So maybe that's the answer, but you know, England could collapse uh, in the next test at Leeds and, and we'll all be saying how good the blackouts are as well. That's just how it goes. But, yeah, so, something probably does have to give.
3: Yeah, I, I'd run with that, James. Um, but, uh, Sam Ackerman, it's now four out of six, four tests out of six. It's not quite uh, we've just been overpowered by a, a display of brilliance from Bairstow and Stokes. The fact of the matter is it might be trending down.
0: Yep, well, it is. Uh, the, the form um, and results aren't um, there, but I suppose for me, it, it's we. if you told me at the start, if you told me three years ago, New Zealand was going to get to the top of the test rankings, win the inaugural Test World Championship, and then after that, go through a little bit of a trough after that peak, I'd say, yep, sign me up. Where can I take that? I'm, I'm all for it. So I'm, I I never kind of thought that this was a, a dynasty for New Zealand to be the top-ranked team for a long time because you know, I, we have good depth, but is it, is it the same depth and level of development as the rest of the cricketing world? Well, it, clearly it's not. There's a lot of good cricketing nations. So I, I think this is a, a, a trough right now, but I don't think it's a, uh, a, a slide... Um, of form that's going to be irreversible. I just think we're going to see this team come and go a little bit more, uh, and just quietly they'll they'll come more than they go in the weakness of the team.
3: Okay, I think you're right, but I think we're also uh, Sam Ackerman still now ruining the fact it's a it's a an old chestnut for me. But if you if you don't develop a spinner at home, you cannot expect a spinner yep. to be a factor overseas. Um, and now we're paying the price for that because when players are going at medium pace bowling. And it all seems the same, and they're hitting out of the park. The one thing you need to do is take the pace out of the game. Uh, we asked the part-timer to do it yesterday, and he couldn't. And that's why I think we, if we continue this policy at home, Sam, that you know we're going to continue to suffer.
0: Did we ever tell Danny Vittori that the conditions didn't suit him so we weren't going to pick him? I mean, it's, no, it's, if he's the best spin bowler and he provides variety, uh, picking him in test matches and giving him a chance to fail and succeed and grow skills... Is crucial. I, I I found the the summer of, of cricket at home with that. I used to understand that we have conditions that don't necessarily suit spinners, but that, that doesn't mean that you, you wouldn't say, well, I reckon this pitch is going to go better for right-hand batsmen, so let's leave out the lefties. You know, you give everybody a, a chance at their skill. He's, he's the best we have at spin. Let's back him. Let's grow him. But you know, it's, easy, it's very easy for me to say that with hindsight. I understood at the time. I was frustrated that that a guy got ten for couldn't get a start at home, but. I I think that you can't grow that depth if you don't give it the opportunity.
3: Totally right, and you've got to learn to bowl in all conditions as well, and uh, be part of a squad and have the have the feeling that you're part of that squad. I mean, I, I mean, if I'm just Patel, ten wickets or not, I, I I just think to myself, really, really, I'm, uh, uh, do they want me? I mean, that's the the feeling I have at the moment. Anyway, let's change subject. Uh, James Regan, not a happy one either. Yesterday was uh, on top of the cricket loss, of course was. Uh, Was the football loss? What did you make of all that and the the refereeing and um, you know uh, the reaction to it?
11: Yeah, I, the first thing you have to say is this is a this is a really good all whites team that are going to be they're going to be good for for years to come with with the talent that they've got at such a young age. Um, yeah, that refereeing display and some of those decisions would probably they're up there with some of the worst I've seen. Uh, in football games like that, given given the calibre and the the magnitude of the game. It was it's up there with the with the Champions League final and everything that we hold as, you know, the top games in football, right? Qualifying for a World Cup. And to put an inexperienced referee into that game is, is just a shambles. And it was quite clear that he had someone in his ear going, You need to look at this on VAR which basically means you should overturn this. And it was just a disgrace. it was you know two or three of those decisions were were just a shambles. the yellow card if, if it was if it was a straight red, yeah you could probably not argue with that but you you hardly ever see in a in a game of that magnitude a yellow card overturned to a red and it just the stage of the game it was a physical game as well let's not forget he didn't really have control over it let's be honest it it was just it was just shocking. And from kind of the, maybe the first 15 minutes with everything that unfolded and bearing in mind that Costa Rica had started time-wasting from then, you, you just knew that the All-Whites were going to have to produce something spectacular to, to get anything out of that game because of the way it was. And it's a shame, but I think All-Whites fans should should um, be confident and excited about the future as well.
3: Sam, what what are your feelings about it?
0: I think that the All-Whites did themselves uh, proud and they can be absolutely gutted and disappointed. But some things are out of their control uh, and this is this is one of them. That, I, I think that never has a defeat lifted the stock of football in this country more. Uh, and uh, I think New Zealanders, those who aren't football fans that don't follow the All-Whites perhaps um, closely would have seen the highlights, watched the game and gone, do you know what? What a gutsy effort! They gave everything, and I'm proud that they're representing New Zealand now. How you cash in on that is difficult because it's again out of their control. What they really need is games at home against decent opposition, or just games at home. I mean, even if they can produce the All Whites team and get them to come in in the off-season and play against uh, the Phoenix, whatever it is, to have a game in played here to build up that a little bit of momentum and people are able to go out and see them play. So I know those guys; I identify with them. That'd be outstanding. But you know, they have shown that they can compete with the best teams in the world now so hopefully that'll make getting international opposition to play them and even at home will be an easier feat but we've seen them start to get the bigger nations be prepared to play them in friendlies and whatnot so everything's tracking the right direction and for me it's just about giving Danny Hay as much exposure in this country as possible uh, to build him as one of the think tankers of uh, New Zealand sport and to get him his coaching experience up get him over there working with international coaches picking it up picking up those skills because that's what the players are doing and they look like they're doing a good job
3: of it too. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, the, the amount of football we don't play uh, is quite remarkable when you see the amount of competitions going on in Europe. They, they have European championships. They have uh, friendlies are coming out of their whatever. So, I mean, they just continue to play. We don't. We, we just simply don't. We don't even know our players, let's be honest about it. We do know our rugby players, though. Um, Sam and this uh, Saturday night, the best of them, the cream of the crop will be at it uh, at Eden Park five past seven Uh, and Ben O'Keefe has the whistle Uh, and I you know what saddens me is he'll be probably one of the most looked at people in the game and that's just the way it's trending yeah it is um, but look
0: he's If we're going to make the comparison of the of the All Whites, um, the All Whites were coached. Were, sorry, uh, were refereed by somebody with a uh, whose ability is can be questioned. And I don't think we can do that of, of Ben O'Keefe. He deserves um, the spot as he's the top ranked uh, New Zealander. He's what third in the world with rankings. This is he did the uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa Final last year, which is of course the equivalent uh, of of what we're seeing uh, this weekend as well. He's proved himself under pressure. He's been to World Cups. He's done line Lion Series. Um, so I, I'm really comfortable with the refereeing, but he, of course he'll be under the spotlight. Uh, there's been a lot of big, bad calls made in Super Rugby this year, and it's got a lot of people wound up. It does feel that in a lot of ways we're through the teething problem side of it, and, and the rugby has been to the forefront over officials in the past few weeks in, in a general term. So that's great. Um, I'm really confident that um, he's the right man for the job. But, geez, you know, it, it is a, it's going to be a pressure cooker. Uh, Eden Park is going to be, hopefully, hopefully completely packed and uh, a great atmosphere because it deserves it for uh, the football that's being done. And I just hope that we're to- while we're talking about uh, Ben O'Keefe now, we're not talking about him come, um, come Sunday and Monday.
3: Correct. Uh, that would be my wish as well. My one wish is that we're talking about a brilliant game of uh, rugby. James Regan, Sam Ackerman, thank you so much for your time this morning uh, on those uh, various issues. And we'll have another panel tomorrow morning, Friday morning, at the same time. It is 10.43 here on SNZ. Had uh, a few texts in this morning, including one from Liam that says, I think it's time Gary Stead moved on. We are too conservative and his team selections have been stupid recently i don't think latham deserves to be captain the blokes average against australia india and england and south africa is awful he struggles to score runs in uh, against the big teams and he's also too conservative uh yeah well he is Uh, i think he and uh, gary Stead think along very much along the same wavelengths when it comes to match tactics i don't think they're ever likely to set the world on fire with that but up until this point uh, when you come up against a, a combination which clearly is of that ilk that want to make the game go forward very quickly um you've got to um, adjust to it or somehow break up their rhythm and we weren't able to do that uh, in either test match really i mean they had a pretty good run chase first time round as well didn't they uh, so uh, th- that's a big issue for us uh, changing gear within a, a test match i'm sure and you're right about uh, tom latham it is time that he fronted up and scored Um, in test matches uh, against the big boys. Uh, He's getting a a bit of a reputation as being a a minnow bully, uh, scoring them uh, at home and also uh, against weaker opposition. So, yeah, it it is time. And I I just wonder how much, in his particular case, the form, the lack of form, etc., is relating to a captain who's been under pressure for most of the summer. Remember, we have not had Kane Williamson in white ball cricket, uh, only once since November, uh, in red ball cricket, once since November, once, uh, our captain. And Tom Latham has been carrying the can the whole time, and uh, he's been uh, a part of the of uh, some of these losses, very much so, and his tactics have been called into question. So uh, that's an issue. There's no doubt about that. Sean has come in and said, I listened to the fifth day on SENZ uh, the other night. It hurt to lose, but I love the test as a context, as a contest, but hopefully we came out of it better for the experience and do counter-punch at Headingley. I expect we'll come back. Um, At at Headingley, I think we'll play pretty well. There we have, uh, as a a rule, actually, it's one of our favourite grounds in England. The problem is, uh, what are they going to do with the side? Are they going to keep Will Young at the top of the order instead of in the middle of the order, I think? Um, and, And then, of course, if Kane Williamson comes back in, what do you do with Michael Bracewell? What do you do with the balance of the side there? They've got some real selection issues. I mean, you cannot contemplate. You couldn't contemplate not playing Daryl Mitchell just because Kane Williamson is back. You just have to find a place for Daryl Mitchell. Goodness me, that would be uh, a real uproar if, uh, if they couldn't do that, which means, is Nichols under pressure at the moment? I don't know. Um, and I, certainly Tom blundell's uh, his place is not under pressure whatsoever. It is 10.51 here on SENZ. We'll be back with Louis Herman Watt. And- the
1: loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything Thoroughbred Racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
3: Just uh, waiting for Louis Herman Watt to uh, answer his phone so uh, we can catch up with him today. I can tell you, of course, that there are seven races out of Rickerton Park Synthetic today, the first to go at uh, 1217 I uh, haven't had the thumbs up if Louis. Is there or not? Uh, doesn't oh, it's just in the studio putting his headphones on. I can see there, yeah, Louis. So uh, Canterbury Park
2: today on the synthetic. Yes, yes. Uh, virtuoso lad in race number hmm, um, four, three, five. This is this is brilliant radio, isn't it? Um, sorry, Smithy. Oh, I, can't, I can't find. Yeah, them. don't
3: worry. Only, don't worry. It's it's my, only my show. Don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> race race you know.
2: four. Race four. Virtuoso lad. I like it. And in last race, last race on the card, yeah, these synthetic tracks are, are really hard to work out. But I tell you what, there's a horse called mm. Twin Shot, which has so much more ability than its twelve starts for one win and two seconds would tell you. It can gallop the shooting to win gelding Twin Shot in the last. Michael McNab great booking and I just thought it was running on well enough last time that I'd give it another go and then um, Smithy this weekend the big jump stay at Waikato Mm. and and old um, Paul Nelson of course heads up over the hills and tries to hand it to the Waikato locals after he absolutely cleaned them up down at Hastings didn't he He did
3: actually. I think what he won the first five out of six there, so that was quite incredible. To be perfectly honest, that you can have a a, a strike rate like that, he's got a terrific jumper on the Cossack. Uh, It really is. I mean, what carried seventy-one or seventy-two to win with it with these the other day.
2: And I don't know, bugger all about jumps racing, but what I do know is that it gives off all the signs that it's going to be able to get up from the hurdles hurdles to the steeples and not be stopped. And I think the two seventy or so, it's great money there as well.
3: Okay, Louis, thank you very much for that. Uh, we've got to pop across now to uh, the TAB side of things and talk to uh, Pip Morris with uh, double header greyhounds today, the Cambridge and Addington meetings, uh, and the first at Cambridge goes. Pip at
12: 12.07. Certainly does. Good morning to you, Smitty, And I'm quite keen on a couple of Tracy and Lisa crakes today. And race number eight, the one Kettle Pot. Might need a big gap, but I thought 380 was good shopping. Race number 11, the one go Ahead caller at around 5:50, I thought was value off the 8th after a really nice run on Sunday. And for the sports side of things, maybe, of course, we've got the US Open to look forward to, and the TAB is putting mm. on a really nice bonus back offer there. So you can back in the upright market, and if your player doesn't win but does finish in the top 20, we'll refund your bet up to $50 as a bonus bet there's been a couple of nice plays as well. $1,000 on Sam Burns at $26, $1,000 on Justin Thomas at 15 highest bet count so far is on Rory McIlroy, followed by Cam Smith and Justin Thomas, and a big one on Ryan Fox, $200 at 201, maybe to be the outright winner.
6: Oh, that
3: would be amazing, wouldn't it? Uh, it's, I think, I can't remember what it was like but, uh, way back in the day when Michael Campbell won it. But his odds would have been about there at that point too. Thank you so much, uh, Pip Morris. Hey, listen, we're going to have a bit of a reshuffle after 11, so it will be Stump Smithy straight after the 11 o'clock news here with Aroa.
9: Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic,
8: nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: It's 11.03, and uh, just reiterating, we're going to have uh, Stump Smithy now, actually. So get on the phone at uh, 0800 150 811, 50 bucks from the TAB up for grabs as well as uh, those sleep drops if you can get questions three right in particular. Uh, We've got a couple of categories this morning uh, that might interest you, they might not, but uh, certainly we're going to have it earlier, and the reason why is just like... uh, the Black Caps had to make an adjustment to the last afternoon and they weren't able to do it. We can because Carlos is coming in after 11.30 this morning. Carlos Spencer on his uh, fight for life uh, uh, story as well as uh, what he's been up to of late and looking forward to the Blues against the Crusaders. Because when you think about the Blues against the Crusaders as opposition, you think Carlos Spencer. I mean, you just have to in history. All uh, right, the lines are, are getting pretty busy now. So let's push the button, Logan.
13: Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
9: Yeah, we are changing things up a little bit here on SNZ Mornings today with Stumped coming in at 11 o'clock. It's just that kind of day, Smithy. It's full on, full noise today. Up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet, plus some sleep drops, Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements Joining us first at the crease, we have Richie from Upper Hutt. Come in, Richie. G'day. How you doing, mate? How's everything up, down Rich? there? Yeah. Oh, I'm slowly getting over the All Whites result from yesterday.
3: Oh, mate, yeah. Well, I, I suppose going well, way be, Are you a stopout supporter or someone? Who do you support locally down there, Richie? Have you got a side?
11: Oh, it would be the Upper Hutt City Football Club.
3: Upper Hutt City Football Club. Do they still play cricket at Maidstone Park?
10: No, that's now Astra um, Turfa. There's a rugby and a hockey p- or football pitch there.
3: All right, okay. Thank God they dug up the pitch. It was a minefield. I remember playing <laughs> a game for Central Districts against Wellington there. Uh, Richie, and without a word of a lie, um, uh, we, the game started late, and uh, we started uh, in the f- late in the first afternoon, and by the second afternoon, right? game went, the progress yep. that quickly, we played that yep. poorly that we were having a beer in a pub in Palmerston North, which is about two yep. hours away. So that's how, how quickly was it? we got beaten. It? Oh, it's a nightmare. Yep. You and Chatfield and Bruce Taylor oh. got stuck into us on a minefield at Maidstone Park. Hate the place, Richie. So uh, I don't hate you, though. I don't hate you, but we'll be trying. <laughs> so well, what are the categories
9: today? What are the categories? The categories today for you, Smithy and Richie, two... Basketball and soccer football. Take your pick. Have to go soccer football. Oh, even after yesterday, brave man. Let's go. <coughs> Still think there's got to be an investigation. Don't know about you, Richie. Uh, f- <laughs> first question: The All Whites will play Australia for the first time in over ten years when they meet at Eden Park in September. What was the venue for that 2011 match?
12: Mm.
6: Wasn't in New Zealand. So I'd have to go, do you want the city or?
9: I'll go with city. If you can't give me the name of the ground, I'll go with city.
5: I'll go Melbourne. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket
9: field. No, Melbourne was the year before, 2010, yep. Smithy.
3: So does that sense to suggest then it might have been in New Zealand? Uh, I'm not quite sure about that. Okay, um, if it's not Melbourne, well,
9: it's got to be Brisbane.
5: One of the worst things I have ever
9: seen done on a cricket field. It was at the beautiful ground that it is, the Adelaide Oval.
3: <laughs> oh, God, Adelaide Oval. That is a ground. I don't remember that.
9: OK. Yeah. <laughs> still alive, Richie. Yeah, still alive. <laughs> second question for you. In 2009, the always defeated Bahrain, 1-0 for a place in the World Cup, and God, weren't they happy at times. Who scored that winning goal?
10: I was there that night, just like another million New Zealanders. But I was actually there, and it was
6: Rory Fallon. That's a
9: couple of chips down the wicket right in the slot and the it goes nice but God can you imagine just the vibe of that place when that happened what was that like
10: that is the best sporting event i've been to for atmosphere ever
3: brilliant Does absolutely brilliant imagine having imagine having that every weekend if you're an arsenal supporter or a spurs or liverpool uh-huh. you just get there every weekend imagine living through that all, no, no, no wonder they're so, so fanatical yeah, good on you. Yeah, nice one, Richie. Okay, uh, (laughs) bumper crowds there. They should not paint those seats yellow. They should never have done that. Uh, Okay, question three. This is for the sleep drops and for the 50 bucks from the TAB. Richie?
9: All on the line for you, mate. Last question. The Aussie Matildas are currently ranked 12th in the world for women's football. What rank do the football ferns hold?
6: 21st.
5: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
9: Ooh, Smithy, I'll say that was a bloody good guess. Uh, I don't know if a stumping's on the line here. We'll see how you go. OK, fair enough. Um, look,
3: uh, 25's been a big number. We've used that this morning. June 25th is uh, coming up with uh, the uh, Kiwi Test. if 25 players in the squad. So 25 comes in threes, I reckon. Uh, they're ranked 25th in the world.
5: One of the worst things
9: i have
5: never well,
9: seen thanks. done on a cricket field <laughs> this is uh, actually quite pertinent with richie it was 22. 22.
4: sweet good work smithy
3: yeah thanks very much yeah what does people say good work when when i fail it's about three times in a row that's happened richie anyway the good news <laughs> is the good news is that you have won the 50 dollars uh, bet from the tab the 50 dollars voucher mate so All the very best, um, and uh, I'm so glad to to find out that Maidstone Park uh, is (coughs) no longer a cricket ground and cricketing cemetery. Um, Richie from Upper Hutt, stay on the line, and the lovely Emma will get your details, and we shall get that um, money to you as soon as we possibly can. It is 11.10 here on SENZ. Uh, Cheers to you too. Have a great day.
8: It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run.
3: Yes, it is. And don't forget you can tune in to us, S-E-N-Z, every Sunday from 11 o'clock till 12 o'clock for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. That's the name of the show, hosted by two legendary Greyhound experts, uh, good callers uh, in their own right as well, Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. Um, gives you every chance to catch up on everything that is happening in the greyhound racing industry that is dog speed at 11 o'clock. Now, uh, our h- dog, I was going to say ho- horse, I quite often do that, but I really shouldn't, Ian. It is a dog. Uh, and uh, it's racing tonight at Addington, uh, race eight. It is number one, Thero. Now, we're currently sitting at 1,010. And I've said this for about five weeks in a row. So we need a divvy, you guys. We need an absolute divvy to get the it going forward. Uh, we're still sitting at, at a t- for Women's Refuge. So Thoreau, Thoreau, named after that dude, Louis Thoreau, that does all those great shows on television, I would imagine. Uh, He's an interesting cookie. Uh, Race 8, number one at Addington tonight. So uh, we'll look forward to that, of course. Uh, Really good news for uh, motor racing fans, or rally fans in particular, um, because uh, I see that Shane Van Gisbergen is to race in Rally New Zealand. Now, this is cool. Uh, 33-year-old, of course, has tried his hand successfully at a range of motorsports, hasn't he? Including uh, winning the Battle of Jack's Ridge Rally Sprint last year, finishing top five in his class at the first attempt at the fame Le Mans 24-hour race at the weekend. Well, uh, SVG is going to be uh, in partnership with Glenn Weston. They're going to drive, it seems, a torque run Skoda Fabia R5 in the uh, WRC too class, he says it uh, was his child. had uh, memory of uh, Rally New Zealand that uh, really uh, lit uh, the fuse. Uh, I guess already said, "I've been around for a long time, going to all the rallies when I was young. It's always been a dream to do it, but I've never really had the chance." Van Gisbergen competed in the opening round of the Australian Rally Championship earlier this year, Canberra, which rekindled in it, his interest, and he plans to bring his car um, to New Zealand in Advance the Rally of New Zealand, potentially to drive. In Rally Hawks Bay, mate, you stay at our house. No problem at all, SVG. If you're struggling for accommodation, uh, no problem at all because you're a uh, legend in motor racing. It'd be great to take you down to the local and have a bit of a chinwag with some of them. Here's an interesting one for me that I, I find uh, weird actually. Michael Bracewell is now. How do you get? How do you get COVID um, if you're in a bubble? I, I don't know. Perhaps he got it off the team physio, VJ Vallab, who's got it. Maybe got it off the strength and conditioning coach Chris Donaldson who has got it, uh, but anyway they're in a bit of a mess, aren't they? They're a bit of a mash unit the uh, the Black Caps at the moment, quite uh, concerning in that regard. Uh, Kane Williamson should be uh, okay uh, to play at Headingley. He's uh, pretty much over his. No Jameson, uh, no Cameron Fletcher. So we've got uh, Blair Tickner, Dane Cleaver going in to the squad out of the Central Stags, but. It is a bit of a a mash unit there and you would imagine the worrying thing because the physio attends to most players throughout the day for various reasons. If a physio's got it, the strength and conditioning guy's got it, um, well, what are we expecting? Um, More than Michael Bracewell to have it? I think so. I think so. So uh, pretty nervous times for the Black Caps, even if they're going to spend two or three days down in London getting the loss. Uh, at Trent Bridge, out of their mental systems. It's 11.19 here on SENZ. Well, uh, US Open, of course, is uh, coming up uh, starting tomorrow morning, uh, very early our time, and, of course, that's being played at Brookline Country Club um, in Massachusetts. Uh, it's been uh, played there in the past as well, but uh, that is uh, one of uh, America's true tests. And one of the, the things about uh, the US Open, of course, is, is that uh, it's set up. Very, very tough. In other words, uh, players, uh, if you're going to look at to win that, you possibly, you possibly might be, uh, uh, you're not really looking to shoot just uh, even or maybe one or two under. So you've got to look at those kind of players that are strong. They can hit the ball hard out of the rough. If you're looking at uh, your particular, um, if you look particularly players to, to back in that position, position. Colin Morikawa uh, tees off uh, with John Rahm and James Piot. Um, they have a 780 pairing, they call them pairings even though they play in three, and then uh, straight after that you've got Jordan Spieth, Adam Scott and Max Homer, Billy Horschel who were uh, a convincing win- winner um, just recently with Patrick Cantlay and Daniel Berger, they grouped them for television actually the main ones and then of course you, you drop away a little bit in terms of your quality as such or, of uh, well performed players. Uh, and then you get um, to the situation where you're going to have LIV players, and when I say live players, uh, these guys that have uh, decided to go and, and apply their trade for the bigger bucks, playing with um, players who <coughs> have not. So there'll be some friction, I would imagine. I wonder what the atmosphere is going to be like in some of these groups as you look forward to. Rory McIlroy hasn't been grouped with anyone from LIV, which is probably politically quite a nice thing to do. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama and Xander Shoffley are in Rory McIlroy's group but there will be situations where players are playing uh, alongside players that uh, perhaps they're not that fond of at at the moment. Justin Thomas uh, at 1.14 tee off time with uh, Victor Hovland and Tony Fino. Matt Fitzpatrick with Webb Simpson and Dustin Johnson. Well Dustin Johnson is one of those players, probably the most high-profile player that has now resigned from the USPGA, of course, and decided that he will go full-time at LIV and is now trying to get um, an exemption or permission to play on the DP World Tour and see if they will accept him. So uh, that will uh, be quite frosty, I would imagine, with Webb Simpson. And the group just after him includes Phil Mickelson, Shane Lowry and Louis Oosthuizen. Now Phil Mickelson and Louis Oosthuizen both have committed themselves to LIV, Uh, And Shane Lowry, of course, has not. Our very own Danny Lee has a 158 tee off time. He's playing with Nick Taylor from Canada and uh, Kita Nakajima from uh, Japan. So uh, really, um, it's a a good pairing for Danny Lee away from the limelight, but he's uh, straight after uh, Phil Mickelson, so he'll have uh, quite a lot of noise, I would imagine. Uh, to put up with uh, around the course as he makes his way around. Uh, Cameron Smith, one of the favourites from Australia, he's uh, tweaked his driver. I don't know why they do this when they're playing so well. Um, he reckons it'll bring him more accuracy off the tee, and that will, of course, be important uh, when it comes to the, the US Open setup because you hit it in the rough there, you're looking at making bogey at best on a lot of these holes. Uh, he's had a great short game and an iron play game, Cameron Smith, but uh, he has struggled to hit fairways this season. His accuracy percentage outside the top 150, outside the top 150 on the US Tour. Uh, Smith, who finished outside the top 40 at the Canadian Open, said he took half an inch of length off the shaft of his driver and adjusted the head weight and was happy with the results on the practice range. Of course, his caddy is Sam Pinfold uh, out of uh, Paraparaumu Beach. After claiming the biggest one of his career uh, in the Players' Championship, Smith uh, finished joint third at the Masters and tied for 13th at the PGA, always in contention. Um, and he is saying that uh, Ryan Fox, of course, and uh, we just mentioned Danny Lee's tee-off time, both in the field, so we've got a, a fair amount of interest in this particular US Open. Can we have uh, one of those glory performances like we got from Michael Campbell? all those years ago it is uh, coming up to 11:30 here on SENZ and it's time to head across to Araha with our latest update there Sting and control there and the reason why we're playing that is we, uh, having problems getting hold of Carlos so we're gonna do that tomorrow we're doing uh, Carlos Spencer tomorrow and uh, so we've uh, had to uh, make a, a bit of an adjustment and change from uh, talking about uh, the fight for life uh, and uh, the rugby at the weekend although we can talk about the rugby with weekend with this bloke because uh, he's uh, an all-rounder uh, an excellent broadcaster and He's managed to pick up the phone so we can have a chat about a number of issues. Uh, And that, of course, is our our great friend of the show, Craig Cumming. Sid, good morning to you, and thank you for uh, answering our SOS. Um, Hopefully there, is he? Yeah?
7: I can hear you, Sid, if that helps.
3: Okay, and we can hear you, I think, coming through the desk, Sid. She's all good to go, mate. Right, let's uh, talk about... um, let should we talk about the, the Blues and the Crusaders? Um, I haven't been able to catch up with you on the sideline at uh, uh, Highlanders games this weekend because haven't been uh, the, the season I haven't been down there. But what what have you made of, or what do you make of this confrontation coming up at the weekend? I think it's pretty exciting, Smithy. When you've got
13: rugby. I mean, I think we've got challenges at the moment in the game. And You know, um, probably with the competition structure, and you know we've gone through COVID, but you know you've got the two best sides, haven't you? There, Um, you've got the emergence of the Blues in the last couple of years, and you know you've got the the history and the the pedigree of the Crusaders who just step up. So uh, both these teams are probably reliving an old rivalry. I remember back to the start of you know Super Rugby Smithy when the Blues were dominant and the Crusaders, you know, struggled, and then they obviously you know come to the fore and be the most dominant franchise. But now, I just uh, actually it's quite nice. I think watching the blues have actually reinvigorated, I suppose how you watch the game that they're, they're exciting, Smithy, um, they've got you know players that are in really good form, um, but again, they've got to perform under pressure against a crusader side that have shown under Robinson and before that that they love finals. They're a little bit like we are talking cricket. they're the Australian of the cricket world. if they get to the finals, they're very hard to beat, so I'm looking forward to it.
3: Yeah, And what have you made of the, the All Black the first selection from Ian Foster earlier this week? Of, you know, Obviously, the Highlanders feel a bit aggrieved that um, maybe their front row didn't get a lot more consideration.
13: Yeah, maybe the group has got an opportunity. But I, I suppose, Smithy, if you're really consistent over a period of time, I think you'll get rewarded. Um, the problem we've got is at the moment, maybe some players are playing well every now and then. And they have good days, but then they, they have off days. And to be an All Black, um, and our standard of an All Black, is you've got to be consistent over a period of time, maybe two in I mean, he's not going to be around next year, but they've also got to beat the Irish. That, that's really important. So you've got to pick a team for now with an eye on the future. But, you know, the, the challenge we have is that when we were dominant, and we always said it in the last sort of 10, 12 years, we had the best players in the world and we had five to seven of them on our side. The question at the moment is how many of our players in our team are the best in the world and I don't know, we might have a couple if we're lucky, so the challenge is to they're going to have to play even better now as a team. But, you know, it's exciting. I'm actually really looking forward to this Irish series. It feels a little bit like the old days. Mm-hmm. I can probably say that now that I'm getting older. Um, you know, 3 test series at home, we've got, we've met, you know, got the, the Māori taking on the Irish. It feels like an olden days tour um, and, and we'll get our teeth into it and we're going to support it and you know, um, the All-backs, I think, if they won, you know, we want them to win 3-0, but this Irish side is good. So I actually can't wait. It's given me a a bit of life back in the footy, I reckon.
3: Yeah, with that Maori side being named, uh, interesting, of course, uh, to see a couple of uh, half-backs getting an opportunity there. Although, (laughs) uh, And Brad Webber and TJ Perenara, um, there's two or three guys in there. I had no idea that uh, they had uh, Maori blood in them, Maori backgrounds as well. So... It's interesting, but the, the Irish are effectively coming up against, when you look at it, the best 60 players New Zealand's got.
13: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they've, they've picked us quite a lot. I think I heard last night, Smitty, 40 players. Um, so they've, they've obviously come off a big you know, home season, but um, they know it's going to be challenging. I mean, you know, to go tour anywhere in the world... Uh, no, you have got three test matches against the All Blacks, and then two against you know the Maldy. It's that is as probably a good a challenge as you're ever going to get around the world. And you know, one of the great things I think New Zealand's probably missed out in the last couple of years. One of the strengths of us has been obviously a, a super competition, but then our NPC. But it's having the you know I suppose an A team or a Maldy All Black team giving all these guys the experiences around um, not just being in the All Blacks. I mean, we've missed out on. Under 20s, um, you know, World Cup. Same in, you know, cricket. We missed out and going to the under 19 World Cup this year. So, our players have actually probably missed the opportunities to to get more experience. I mean, we're not travelling to South Africa anymore, Smithy. So, you know, that's going to be a big challenge when we get to play them eventually. So, it's got to be mm. good. But I just can't wait. I mean, and if there's one team we love probably having in New Zealand, and one supporters we love having, Smithy, it's got to be the Irish. I mean, you know what it's like when you Test Match mm. day, wherever you're in the country, and I know you get up and go for your cup of coffee or cup of tea in the morning, you just get that buzz um, around your city. And I know Dunedin's really looking forward to to hosting the Irish. It'll be
3: fantastic. It will. OK, more pressing matters, uh, I think, uh, from your your and my point of view anyway, with our love of the game is uh, what's happening around uh, the Black Caps. And I I just simply ask you, uh, 553, uh, you're looking pretty, uh, pretty dapper there. How do you lose? How can you let it go from that point?
13: Uh, I've actually spent a bit of time trying to be unemotional and thinking about that, and I, and I look back to the last year, Smithy, and I go down to balance and selection. Um, I think I've said to you on, on your show before that I have real worries about, you know, the way that we've been trying to play the game in New Zealand. We have set it up where we play five seamers, um, you know, we've got very green pitches, and we look to knock teams over, and you know, we had Test matches finishing in three days. But you know, the balance of the side to me has been wrong. I think we're uh, at the moment we, we don't. We can't pick a balanced side, and we're not picking the best side to play over five days. Um, You know, we're a little bit of a one-trick pony. Um, Even though we've got different variations with our seamers, they're still seamers. And you're not going to survive around the world unless you can pick a spinner. Um, And that's a genuine spinner. And then the question is, um, if you're not going to pick an outright spinner, the reason New Zealand's got away with it is because they've had Neil Wagner in the side. And he's bowled those Mm. middle overs, he's bowled on flat pitches, He's picked up 230-odd test wickets, Smithy, by doing that. So by not poking Neil Wagner, Michael Bracewell did a really good job. I was delighted because I know him. But again, he's a part-time spinner. Um, no spinner there, the bowling attack. And, you know, you look back, uh, we got the balance wrong at Hagley in the second test against South Africa. They surprised us by batting first. We got caught out. We had no variation in the middle part of the test. When we played Bangladesh up in, you know, um, the mount, we didn't pick a spinner. So at the moment, I you know, I... What goes up maybe comes down, but one thing that they used to get right was their selections, and I think at the moment that they're getting that wrong, that's my opinion, and it's actually costing them, because test cricket, you've got to pick a team that can perform on day one, but you've also got to be able to pick a team that can perform on day five, and you've got to have a bowling attack that can take 20 wickets over those five days.
3: Totally agree, and I think no better evidence of the fact that they missed Neil Wagner uh, in that uh, last performance uh, at Trent Bridge was the fact that they tactically they tried to bounce Johnny Bearstow and Ben Stokes out and they used it with Matt Henry who is not a bounce bowler in that regard and, and Neil Wagner's sitting there watching it as a sub fielder go over his head at deep mid wicket wondering I should be doing this I know how to do this uh, and you know that to me emphasised the point that they had made a huge error the way they, ta- they got that, tried to get that right tactically.
13: Oh, absolutely! And when I see Tim Southey coming around the wicket trying to bowl bounces, it's like, well, if that's going to be part of your plan, and it's going to be, you pick the best player to do it. And um, yeah, Michael Bracewater did a good job with the ball, but again, they didn't bring him in early enough in that second innings uh, on day five. But you're right. I mean, that's I mean Neil Wagner. Go and look at his record. Um, and the reason it's it's created a false front because when we look at the balance of the side, we haven't needed a spinner because of New Zealand two reasons one. Our conditions, but actually, when things did flatten out, Neil Wagner just got the ball and said, "I'm not going to give it to anyone else." I mean, he'd bowl ten overs in the middle session and bowl seven in the last session, um, and he just did all that work. And I mean, Smithy's got 200 Test wickets doing it. So, unless he's mm-hmm. no longer good enough, um, which is not the case because he's yet to. He can also swing the Duke ball. He did that last year over. Remember in the in, in the in the two Test matches over there and in, in the World Championship, mm-hmm. he's swung the new ball, so he's not just a one-trick pony. Um, but he gives you that option when things flatten out. And as we know in England, uh, the pitches might be a bit green, but they do flatten out. They change compared to what's on New Zealand. And they just, to me, that's that's the biggest thing. If, if they look at the game, yes, they scored 500. But to be able to win that Test match, and they always were going to go out and go and win it because they were 1-0 down, you've got to take 20 wickets. And you've got a guy there who's picked up over 200, I keep saying it, at a strike rate not far off Hadley, um, and they're not playing him. And I just, you know, that's the interesting question. I'd like an answer to that.
3: Well, he, he cut loose straight after T, Johnny Bestow, Um And the reason why is because they, they discussed it, apparently. And Baz's message was uh, through Stokes, said, we win, we lose, we do it our way, a draw is off the table. Now, uh, you know, 12 months ago, England didn't do that. When Root was captain, of course, uh, they wouldn't even take on a, a challenge in a test. Um, that uh, they really did need to win. they, they And they, this time round under this leadership, they do. So all of a sudden, the world has seen now, very openly, what England uh, intend to do.
13: Yeah, that's right. And it's a great example. I mean, you know, you see these things, and I, I hear Smithy, and we've got a lot of ch- chat around sport. I mean, Brendan McCullum, I don't even know if he's a Level 2 coach. No, I don't even know if Brendan McCullum would do paperwork. I don't know if he'd do emails. But what he does is he's a great people person. You, you and I know that, and, and our listeners know that, mm. that... He, and what he does is, what he's, he just walked into that shed, and he's just the greatest thing you can do as a coach is give your players confidence. And if you give your players confidence, you're going to always get the best out of them. Now, if they're not good enough, they're not good enough. And you'll find that out. But the greatest thing as a player, when you're sitting there and you get told, right, in some ways, this is the only option you've got, boys, um, and girls, if you're coaching the girls like I do, and go out and do it. And if we fail, if we miss out, we miss out. But, hey, what's the, what's the what's the... The worst that can happen, we can lose. But what's the, what's the t- alternative? We can go out and do exactly what they did in that test match. And mm. what Brendan McCullum, he's, he's not changing the world, and he's not sitting there with his computer open, and he's not probably doing a whole lot of stats. He'll still have his tactics, don't get me wrong. But what he's doing is he's just telling the guys to go out and back themselves, and he backs them and go out and try and do something special. And they're doing it. And look, look what happens. And match just comes from being a good person with good relationships.
3: It does come from that, um, which is interesting from uh, from my point of view and I, I just hope that we're not uh, going on a downward slide here because it, uh, for us in particular, it, it sometimes takes a long time to get out of and people already coming through um, on our show this morning, texting in particular saying uh, Gary Stead's got to go, I think that's a bit knee jerk at this stage, isn't it?
13: Oh, it is. It is is. absolutely. I mean, um, you know, the other thing. Yeah, Steady's a pretty smart man. I mean, he he, he'd be looking at stuff. And uh, but one thing he does control, along with the captain, when you're on tour, is your selections. So you know, I mean, the guys are still playing. You know, we're still scoring five hundred runs. Smithy. You know, you you look at our side. um, You know, our top order did enough to win that game. Um, they've got enough runs to win the game but again it comes down to the selection of the team and um, making sure that they've still got, and they've still got wonderful bolts you know there's no problem there at all I mean Trent Bolt you know and they couldn't predict that Jamison was going to break down but um, those things happen but they've just got to look at their selections and probably make sure that they're really clear and understanding what they're doing but you know look at Mitchell you know go on, he's probably nearly our most valuable player now in all forms of game smithy I mean you know, to go to England and get 190, another 100 at Lords, not out 60 in the middle order. We were, we were a wee bit concerned when Ross Taylor finished. Well, you know, Mitchell stepped up. Um, you know, Kane was injured, but um, or had COVID, but, you know, our top order's looking pretty good. Our, our middle order's looking really good. We've just got to get the balance right. And that'll be the things, and, um, you know, I'm sure Kane had an input in that, but he wouldn't have been at the ground. Um, so that's one challenge, because when it comes to the decisions that have been made for the playing eleven. Tom Latham has been part of that. And I know Dawley was very strong in saying maybe Kane should finish the captaincy and it's time for Tom Latham to take over. Well, Tom is part of that decision making, so I'm sure they're sitting down there and actually working that out because um, you know they need to sort it out. Because at the moment, I think in the last 12 months they've got it wrong.
3: Tom Latham. Um, people are saying that he's a bit of a minnow bully. It's time that he fronted up against the big boys uh do you see it that way um you look at his record it's it's pretty damn good but is it against the the key teams
13: oh yeah i think so Uh, i haven't got the exact stats in front of me but i mean you know uh, opening's tough you're gonna the key is when tom layton's in good form he's in very good form uh, and he makes hay while the sun shines and then you do have your periods but at the moment no i've got no problem with tom layton He, he you know statistically I mean, if you went and broke down everyone's statistics, you know you're always going to have you know ups and downs, and there'll be teams you're good against, and you know um, you probably get more scrutiny now because we talk about it more, Smithy. But no, no, no problems at all. So the top orders there, um, you know, Will Young had a little bit of pressure on, but I thought he played nicely again. He up the river, run out. Um, so there's no real problem. We've got the skill, we've got the quality there, and I know they've got the drive because they, that's what the Black Caps are around. But they're just at the moment. And the other thing is, Smithy, we're not we're no longer chasing people actually. We're at the top of the tree. People want to knock us over. Um, whereas we can't just mm. sort of sneak in the back door anymore and, and turn up. No, we're happy to play music. Oh, hang on. The just giving us a bit of a hiding. Uh, we're the top dogs now. We're, everyone's no longer taking us lightly. And they, they want to take us on. And, uh, and they want to beat us because they know if they're beating us, they're a good side. So maybe they, that table's just turned a wee bit, which is a little bit different psyche for us and, and being used to that as well.
3: Probably had, uh, you know, Sid, uh, over the course of Two to three weeks while we were wondering who was going to be the new White Ferns coach. Uh, probably thirty to forty texts um, across the board saying why isn't Craig coming the coach? Um, can you tell us why? Were you were you ever approached? Were you ever interested in it, in it? And if if not, what do you intend to do now? Are you going to hang in there with your uh, your ladies teams, the Sparks down south?
13: Yeah, I've had a few questions. Um, yeah, just pretty simply, I didn't apply, somebody. Um uh, many reasons um but and i'm also pretty excited that, um you know the new coach at is very exciting and he's got a great resume so no i didn't apply for it in the end smithy there's a, a few personal reasons why i didn't put my name forward I obviously didn't guarantee uh anything was going to happen um i i also sort of feel like i i got to still develop a little bit from a coaching point of view so i'm really keen to lead the sparks um for another year or two, and, and maybe if the opportunity gets uh, arises maybe in the next couple of years, maybe you know can get involved if it pans out with the new coach and with the white ferns. We'll get some get some development in there and actually understand that environment and uh, help develop me. But um, in the end of the day, I had to make a decision, um, and I just thought at the moment not quite ready to put my name forward. So um, it's not that I missed out, um, and certainly um, you know there's a few personal reasons why I didn't do that, but. I'm also very flattered that a lot of people thought I could be you know, the person to do that job. But um, you know, you're a long time in coaching, but you can also be a, um, taken out of the coaching pretty quickly. And I just want to make sure that if I ever put my name forward for whatever job it is, Smithy or whatever role, that I'm 100% mm. confident that I'm ready to be the best that I can be and make a huge difference. And um, you know, I just want to, a couple of more things maybe trying to achieve with the Sparks and, um, and as a head coach and develop in those areas. And then um, you know, you never know that the next time it comes around. Um, you yeah, know, might put the name for, but yeah. Very kind of your listeners to to say that I should be that person. Do
3: you, you think Ben Sawyer, the incoming one, might try and ring Amy Satterthwaite at some point? I mean, he's <laughs> got to keep that door open, doesn't he?
13: Well, she's retired, Smithy. So, I mean, she's still going to play domestic cricket, and it won't be the first time that a player has retired and then unretired. So, um, yeah, that, that'll be really interesting. I mean, as I said, everything I've, I've heard. I actually met Ben um, when he was over here with Australia when I've been commentating. So. Um, yeah, from all accounts, and they had a camp, and I'm catching up with my white ferns tomorrow to do a bit of work with them, uh, lining with what they've been doing at their camps. So, um, you know, it's tough because he didn't get a say probably in a contracting group, and he didn't get a say probably in the team game, the com games. But the chances are he'll get a good chance being able to to assess things um, over in the com games, and then then start to put his thing on it. But, you know, um, you know, I look at someone like Amy. I, I didn't buy into all this farewell stuff and, and the farewell tour. Um, the challenges. I still think Ames and Wait are still one of our best cricketers in the country, um, in all mm. forms of the game. That's my opinion. And if I was wanting to pick the side tomorrow, would I probably would I want to pick her? or have her available for selection. Uh, I would. But you've also got a plan for the future. Um, but we've um, you know to say so. It'd be an interesting space. I'd say. You know, if Amy Sethawayite comes out of domestic cricket goes out and goes 100 Smithy I reckon um, you know if she got a call maybe from being at some stage look are you available and I want to pick you um yeah, it'll be really interesting I-, I would be surprised if she said no but I haven't spoken to her, nothing like that there's no inside word there at all um, I just know if I was coaching that side that I'd love to have Amy Sethwaite available to be specific.
3: Yep, I, I absolutely totally agree with you. My wish is that, from your point of view, she doesn't get hundred hundred against the Otago Sparks because I reckon she will. I, I honestly believe she will. I, I do think she'll she'll bulk up on runs. I have no doubt about it.
13: Oh know. I know. So I don't get. I, I, I just <laughs> give her a message congratulating her on a career um, because you know one thing um, I've always got on very well with Amy and. Um, even when we were in commentary, used to come in the commentary box, Maddy, and you've seen her, and she was, you know, mm. such a an awesome person, and, and a real leader in the women's game, and, and as a cricketer, and I did then say to her, now my problem is I've got to try and work out how we're going to get you out domestically, so please take it easy on us. So you did right, and you know, I have to be, you as a cricketer, your last few years, you, you know, when even when you know you're not going to play for New Zealand, you sort of create another drive, you sort of another wheel starts turning, and. You just go, right, I just want to score as many runs as I possibly can. So hopefully, mm. uh, when we play um, the cantabs, that uh, maybe Amy might be, she might have COVID or something for that week, Smithy. So it might save us a headache.
3: <laughs> on your Hey, listen, thank you very much for answering your phone, helping us out. Um, <laughs> You know what it's like in radio. Uh, things happen and you have to make plans, and uh, I'm glad that you were part of our plan this morning. Uh, Sid, thank you very much, and uh, we will make sure that you are suitably reimbursed in the normal manner. Uh, thank you, and have, uh, have, a terrific, have a terrific rest of your day, my friend. Thank you.
13: Thanks, buddy. Any time, any time.